on today's show. The Houston Rockets are headed to the NBA Summer League playoffs behind 26 points and eight steals from Cam Whitmore. We're going to break down the Rockets-Warriors game, the exciting parts about Cam Whitmore and what he's shown us so far through Summer League, as well as some other thoughts about Amin Thompson, Jabari Smith Jr., Tar East, and it's all coming up right here at Locked on Rockets. This is Mission Control, Houston. Ignition sequence start. The Houston Rockets select Jalen Green, Alperon Shengun, and Jabari Smith Jr. T-minus 15 seconds. Guidance is internal. Every time I step on that floor, I'm coming. Hey, Houston fans, I am so happy. You're getting somebody who's going to come in with a chip on their shoulder, somebody who's going to come and come in and compete from day one. Six, five, four, three, two. One. What's up and welcome to another edition of Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. As always, I'm your host, Jackson Gatlin, native Houstonian and credentialed media member. I'm also the host of Locked on NBA Mondays. Be sure to follow along on Twitter at JT Gatlin. And the show, of course, at Locked on Rockets, free and available wherever you listen to your podcast, including YouTube. Go to YouTube, search Locked on Rockets. Be sure to like, comment, subscribe, all that good stuff. And as always, thank you so much for making LOR part of your day every single day, whether it's on the way to work, in the gym, on your lunch break. Thank you for making LOR part of your day every single day. And joining us now is your weekly co-host, the podfather himself, Rockets Wire editor and host of the Logger Line podcast, Ben DuBose. Fresh off of our Rockets watch party where live the Rockets... Live on location. Live on location. If you hear the beautiful ambient noise in the background, it's because we are still live on location at Big City Wings in the aftermath of our official Rockets watch party. We had Clutch the Bear here. We had giveaways. We had raffles. It was a ton of fun. I say, by the way, before we even go into the Rockets clenching a summer league playoff spot, by the way, where's the parade going to be? I know, right? we got We got to figure out exactly where we're going to do the parade. But before we get into how entertaining this game was, how uplifting it was with some of the young guys, Cam Whitmore, Trevor Hudgens. Dude, we had well over 50 people come out here tonight, and this wasn't even the only watch party for Summer League. We had somewhere between 50 and 100 people out for a Summer League watch party, one of at least two for a Summer League game that didn't even feature Amon Thompson or Jabari Smith Jr. People really care about this basketball team. People are starved for a winner, and even in Summer League, Boy, just to see the Rockets win four straight games, people are out and about, dude. Absolutely, man. I mean, it, it was just, it was really kind of crazy to see so many people actually want to show up to support for a summer league game and it was it was a really good game honestly this yeah. this Rockets team has I don't want to say maybe surprised is a bit strong for summer league play but compared to last summer league and I made this point in a recent LOR but it just it feels like the coaching is kind of on another level yeah. to where this feels like a very di- it's, it's kind of the the glimpse into what we're going to get I think well, this next season with the new coaching staff and I think it's also really reassuring that Ime Udoka picked the right guys because for all of Ime's strengths look he's only been a coach for one year now a head coach that is now I know Boston they accomplished a lot more under Ime than they did the, pri- the previous year under Brad Stevens so you can't just say well it's a talented team no Ime took them to heights that Brad Stevens did not at least not in the previous season not even by a long shot and there did seem to be some regression this year under Joe Mazzulla so Ime deserves a lot of credit Yet, it is just one year. Crazier things have happened. And there were some coaches on his Boston staff, like Will Hardy, now with the Jazz, who clearly knows what he's doing, that are no longer there. So it's fair to question, especially when, you know, we heard the Rockets after Ime was hired were looking into names like um, James Borrego, who ended up going uh, New Orleans, right? 
Yeah, New Orleans. Yeah, that's what I thought. And he didn't get any of the big names. It's a very young staff. They're prioritizing youth and energy. And on paper, a lot of these guys check the right boxes. But to see Ben Sullivan come in, and that's the guy who, by all accounts, is the lead assistant. I don't know if they're formally naming it, but it seems like he's the most accomplished. Obviously, it took a lot to lure him out of a good situation like Boston. He, he's the guy on the staff that is probably one day going to be a head coach in his own right. Yeah, although maybe Royal Ivy will be, too. I've heard good things about I him. I guess I could see that. Yeah, for he, sure. Yeah, okay. he's young enough. He, he's just like 41. But look, the bottom line is to see Ben Sullivan come in and have this much success in a format where, you know, maybe the first couple of games, you could say that, well, they had Amon, they had Jabari going off. But look, man, it's not like that team last year did not have talent. And yet, they just were nowhere near as cohesive and organized as this group is. And I remember saying after game one, after that thrilling walk-off that Jabari had against the Blazers, I did my longer line with Paolo, and I mentioned, dude, I'm not sure how the next week is going to go, because without Amon, who sprained his ankle, there's no engine, there's no point guard. Now, credit to Trevor Hudgens, he stepped up in a big way to fill that gap. But, you know, after there's no Amon, I was like, well, how are they going to perform? Is it going to be like the Rockets of the last couple of years where there hasn't been a point guard and then everything suffers? And the answer is no. And Trevor Hudgens deserves a lot of credit. He continues to put up a lot of assists without many turnovers. He's very organized. He's very in control, which you want to see from a second-year player. But also, I, I would say it goes beyond just the point guard. It's the whole coaching staff. They're organized. They know what they're doing. And I think more than just what it says about Summer League, it also tells you that Boy, Ime Udoka got a big boy hire in ben, in ben Sullivan, who looks very good so far. Absolutely, right? And the other assistant coaches have also you know, had their hand in what they're doing at Summer League. Ime Udoka's had a hand in exactly the type of um, identity that he's trying to establish and the tone that he's trying to set with this Summer League roster, which is, again, it's a bit of like an appetizer, right? It's a, you know, a bit of a warm-up, a trial, if you will, for what we can expect to see this upcoming season. And Ben, Sull ben Sullivan talked about it, that he wanted these guys to lock in and have a cohesive identity they wanted a defense-first identity yeah. for their summer league team. And I think we saw that, and we saw that in a very big way here in Game 4 against the Golden State Warriors. Cam Whitmore, we're going to talk about his defense first before we get to anything he did offensively. Ben, eight steals. Well, Eight steals. And, be and because of those eight steals, that's why the shooting was more efficient. He had 26 points and 11 of 19 shooting. How many of those 11 makes were transition runouts off of his own defense where he just jumps a passing lane and all of a sudden gets a dunk in transition because once he gets ahead of steam, He's just faster than everybody else, especially if he's in a leverage position from jumping that lane. And if, if he has that type of... We know the athleticism. We know the motor. But if he has the instincts that we saw tonight, that's the kind of thing that even if, you know, the issues with shot selection, we know the, the stuff that caused him to not be a top five pick, like many thought, and had his freshman year at Villanova, maybe a little bit underwhelming compared to the level of prospect he was. And people say, well, is he ever going to fully harness his offensive game? Is he going to be efficient? With that type of length, athleticism, and defensive instincts, even if he's not really a true difference maker, at least in terms of a high-level efficient scorer, then with that level of defense, you're going to be a good player no matter what. Absolutely, right? I mean, seeing him just blow up the passing lanes, being so locked in defensively, he's got, I think, really good anticipation at times, kind of playing some of those passing lanes and cutting in and blowing up plays like that. And to your point, right, being able to see a guy that is that uber-athletic get his hands, you know, deflect a pass here and there, and then beat anybody else on the floor anywhere near the ball and then being able to just scoop it up and go the other way, he had so many breakaway opportunities in this that he created himself. Yeah, and it was really important to set the tone early tonight, uh, not just Cam. I mean, he had a lot of the highlight steals, but Trevor Hodgins, Darius Days, they had their moments as well, not just offensively, but on the defensive end as well. And look, the, the Warriors are 0-4. That is not a good summer league team. There were not many recognizable names. 
yet. Let's just let's just leave it as that, that that's not a good team. We don't even have to put the summer league okay. disqualifier on. Just the Warriors are not a good team. It's okay. <laughs> but look, I, I think the bigger takeaway. The, the Rockets did not need to, and they didn't, let a team like that hang around. It's a classic example. It's Summer League, but it's just like in the regular season. When you think you're better than some team on paper, the worst thing you can do is come out lethargic and let them believe they have a shot. The Rockets came out not just by making shots, but with the level of defensive intensity that they played with. It sort of made it clear early on that they were the better team in this game. They led by nearly 20 at the half, and they just pretty much coasted the final 20 minutes. Yeah, absolutely. To and the point where, by the way, you can see in the background you have racing. That's because ESPN turned off the game. The disrespect to the Summer Rockets. Maybe they can, you know, the Rockets had the playoffs starting Sunday. They're one of the final four teams. Maybe they can feed off the fact that ESPN changed from an NBA game to a race because the Rockets were so far out in front that apparently it was no fun for viewers anymore. The, the chip on Cam Whitmore's shoulder just got 10 times bigger yeah, because ESPN changed the channel on the Rockets fans and the watch yeah. party going on here, all that. Yeah, we switched some TVs, but yeah, there's still some racing in the background too, unfortunately. That's why. Coming up, we're going to get into Cam Whitmore, some of his offensive production and some kind of wide-ranging thoughts on his production throughout Summer League to this point. First, let me tell you about Bird Dogs because when it comes to shorts, you've got to check out Bird Dogs. They are going to be the most comfortable shorts that you have ever owned. Ben, normally I'm like a pants kind of guy. Like I wear pants all the time, whether it's, yeah. you know, 100 degrees outside or 70 degrees out. But I finally got my hands on a few pairs of bird dogs. Honestly, the most comfortable shorts that I've ever worn. They're versatile. You can wear them hanging out with friends. You can wear them on, you know, pool day or a beach day, swimming them. You can wear them on a date night because they look good. They're comfortable. They're form-fitting. They're honestly fantastic. Go check them out. Visit birddogs.com slash LockedOnNBA or use promo code LockedOnNBA at checkout and you will get a Yeti-style tumbler, a Bird Dogs Yeti-style tumbler with every single purchase that you make. So go get yourself some of the best shorts, the best shorts that you will ever own, as well as one of the best tumblers that you were able to own. Again, that is locked on NBA at checkout, birddogs.com. Go get yourself a pair. And continuing on here at Locked on Rockets, a live on location at Locked on Rockets. I think this might be the first time we've ever done this, Ben. I think it is. Um, so a ton of fun here, at still at Big City Wings uh, with all the beautiful ambient noise happening in the background. God, I hope this actually turns out okay. Fingers crossed. We're like, we're like, I know, we're like mid-recording, and it's like uh, I'm going to get to post-production and be like, oh, this is terrible. This was an awful idea. Um, let's, let's, let's shift gears, and I know we talked a little bit about Cam Whitmore's offensive game yeah. and what he's able to kind of provide provide, you know, turning defense into offense. But at this point, how do you kind of feel about how he's approached at least his offensive role? Because I feel like it's been different in each of the games yeah. so far, all four games. It's felt like he's had a bit of a different mentality in each game based on who else is on the court with him and, and how he's kind of approaching things offensively. Yeah, he was a bit more aggressive tonight with 21 shot attempts. Now, again, some of them were off of runouts, but it felt like this was a game in which he wanted to be more of a focal point. I think some of it, too, you know, it goes back to the coaching that we were talking about in the first segment. Look, they seem to have a plan. They seem to have these players bought in. And so Cam was the one guy, despite the stat line, and he's athletic enough, he's going to be able to put up points, get a few loose balls, rebounds, what have you, that it wasn't as if the stat line and the opener looked terrible. But he was playing out of control. You, you know that. Maybe not the entire game, but for large stretches of it. He has been far more composed the last couple of games, even though it's, and, and really the last three games, honestly, I would say even Sunday, playing alongside Jabari and Tari in their last game in Vegas, He's been a much more composed player for three straight games. And as you mentioned, the role has not been the same. The role has been such that, you know, some games, including tonight, he's taken on more of a sort of half-court creation mode. I felt like the other night, 
he was a little less trigger happy because he got off to a bit of a cold start. But regardless, he has not gone anywhere near the lengths of some of the chaotic sequences we saw a week ago. And I think that's growth. And I think it speaks to the coaching staff being organized and having these guys bought in and making sure that not only are they winning games, but these young guys do seem to be getting better from game to game as well. And that's important. And speaking you know, to that angle of the coaching staff and kind of, I think, the identity that this Rockets team took on offensively, I do think it's interesting how, obviously, credit to Trevor Hudgens, who has you know, yeah. taken on the point guard roles. And, and, and We should point out, Trevor Hudgens tonight, 11 assists to two turnovers. The other night, seven assists to one turnover. 18 assists to three turnovers in the last two games. And that may have had something to do with the shifting of the offense, too, because, you know, between Friday and Sunday, they lost Tom and Thompson, and so it was sort of on the fly. Since then, they've had more time to integrate, you know, I guess the, the Trevor Hudgens-led offense. And, boy, the last two games, he's looked like quite a traditional point guard who's capable, you know, obviously he can hit a lot of threes. He had the running 35-footer, which was insane. But also, he's just running a very structured offense, and it lets guys like Cam Whitmore fall in line. Yeah, point point god Trevor Hudgens um, for the point god. summer league MVP Trevor Hudgens. Summer league MVP point god Trevor Hudgens. How many different uh, names can we throw all into one into one guy? No, but and, and absolutely right. Trevor has stepped up in a big way for this team. But I also want to highlight that offensively, this Rockets team has stuck to a lot of their principles yep. in uh, like prioritizing the right spacing and making sure that every try every trip down the court whether it's in transition or whether it's actually setting up after a made basket and, and calling like a you know an actual play their spacing has been really really optimal almost every single time down right a couple guys in the corners you know, running a lot of heavy pick and roll action, but even when they're switching and they're doing some of their dribble handoff sets, their spacing has been really, really good, which is opening up things for guys like Cam Whitmore to be able to have those backdoor cuts to be able it to slash helps, in the half court. By the way, when you have guys like Matthew Mayer who can come in and make you know, three or more three-pointers in like 20 minutes. Matthew Mayer is going to be the Summer League Sixth Man of the Year. Should we just start Although, handing – do we need to hand out like, like, like Summer League awards for this Rockets team? I guess Although, we could. I will say, so – for all the criticism the last couple of weeks, and I understand why with some of the moves they made to offload guys for cap room that they didn't end up fully utilizing. We know what happened with Brooke Lopez. And so there's no Uzman Garuba, there's no Ty Ty Washington, there's no Josh Christopher, there's no Dacian Nix, et cetera, et cetera. Look, that does mean that after the first 10 or 11 spots on this roster, there's a lot of spots that are open for the taking. And while, you know, the Rockets will point out that they're high on the waiver wire, and so they could be in good position, only Detroit's ahead of them, to get some guys, at least one, perhaps in the same vein as Gary Bird a couple of years ago when he was in a numbers game. The Rockets are in a good spot, but the numbers game is not gonna happen until the end of preseason, because until then, teams can carry 20 all the way through the offseason, the training camp, and through the preseason. So for now, until the Rockets get to a point where they can maybe claim some guys off waivers that are sort of distressed assets caught in a numbers game somewhere else, there's going to be opportunities for certainly the two-way guys already, Trevor Hodge and Darius Days, but also like a Matthew Mayer. Why would you not bring him to camp after what he's shown you as a six-foot-nine guy that can shoot? Why and, and rebound at a decent level too. Yeah. Like he, he's not—he's not just like Gary Bird was six-five and he hustled and he took offensive fouls and he would at least take one dive every single game yeah. and save you a possession that way. But he didn't give you a lot of size. Matthew Mayer can actually rebound and if, shoot. If you squint hard enough, you can think back to you know Chandler Parsons 12 years ago, whenever he was first starting, and see you know at least in terms of the frame that they're starting with. Not saying the games are identical. Uh, Chandler a lot more of a playmaker, but I think in terms of at least superficially some things, you know, there are some commonalities there. And I will just say that. That, you know, it behooves the Rockets to see what they have in these guys internally because while they are in good position waiver-wise, 
a lot of those guys aren't really going to hit the market until mid-October. So in terms of the rest of this offseason, training camp, the preseason, guys like Matthew Mayer, have an, they have a window. It's just about do they take advantage of it. And for at least a week in Vegas, they're absolutely doing that. Move over, Gerald Green. There is a new mayor of Houston oh. in town. I've been sitting on that pun wow. all wow. episode long. No, I do think, and there's one other thing that I wanted to bring up when it comes to Cam Whitmore, though, and we were talking about this with a couple couple guys here at the watch party. I think it's so beneficial to the Rockets that they can basically almost like draft and stash Cam. Like, he's very clearly got talent. He has this high upside, insane ceiling, all of it. But for the Rockets, they don't have – he doesn't need to be NBA-ready right away, right? They, they can bring him along so slowly. He could miss this entire yeah. rookie season, and they wouldn't bat an eye because right. it's going to allow him and afford him the time to grow and develop at his own pace. Yeah. There's not these, like, expectations placed on him of, oh, he's a, he's a like top-five picker. Exactly, right? And, and that also plays into, you know, Amin Thompson as well. Same expectations on him. You know, he's probably – he's not going to be starting right out of the gate. He's going to be brought along a little bit more slowly but just for cam for a guy who's coming in as young as he is right just turned 19 a few days ago and is as raw as he is i think it's going to do be really beneficial for him to not have all that pressure on him right away i will also say one thing that may have helped him you talked about his role sort of shifting from game to game in terms of his playing style some of that is due to how much the supporting cast has shifted Mm -hmm. i think you know game one they had everybody and there were some obvious nerves being it it's his first time in a rockets jersey Game two, there was no Amon, but it was still the Jabari and Tari show. They were your focal points. And the last couple of games, he sort of had more free reign as far as the top option. Now, I thought after the first quarter the other night, again, he was a little less assertive. It felt like he sort of accepted it wasn't really his game from a shooting perspective. Tonight, he's a bit more aggressive and sort of fed off the defense as well. But I think it's good for him in that, you know, he hasn't, it's not like you're just putting him into one role. He's been sort of thrown into a lot of different situations, and honestly, that's probably what it's going to be like now that the Rockets are trying to win. Any opportunities he gets are probably going to be because, you know, someone's injured or struggling, stuff like that. You don't know exactly what the roster composition is going to be. You don't know if it's going to be 10 minutes, 20 minutes, whatever it may be, or does he just go down to the Vipers and play, you know, 30, 35 minutes a game for a while? There's so many different ways that he can be utilized, so the fact that you're having to use him in different ways in summer league, that, that might be good for his long-term development because, honestly, first couple of years, I, I suspect that his role at between the NBA and the G League is going to be very different as well. Yeah, absolutely. Now, one of the things that he did talk about uh, when I first got the chance to talk to him in New York right after he got drafted is he kept mentioning his versatility as a player. And I do think that he is a guy with his size, with his NBA-ready body, with the skills that he brings to the table. There is no shortage of different spots on the court that you can put him in, be it offensively or defensively where he can be successful. And if he can be a bit of a chameleon and understand and adapt to whatever the coaching staff wants out of him on a given night or a given stretch of games, if he's filling a role for maybe Jay Sean Tate at some point next season or maybe Tari Eason at some point next season, maybe he plays some small ball four minutes, maybe he's more of a wing, maybe he's more of a guard. Who knows what he's going to ultimately look like, what his role will look like for this team, but... He's got a lot of skills, and it's up to this Rocket staff and this organization to kind of mold, refine him, and get him pointed in the right direction, which at this point, with as exciting as the coaching staff looks through four summer league games, I think they are going to do a fantastic job bringing him along. That might be the most important part of all. Absolutely. Coming up, we're going to get some thoughts on the other summer league standouts, Jabari Smith Jr., Amin Thompson, Tari Eason, as well as 
maybe predictions for what the Rockets are going to accomplish in uh, their Summer League playoff debut, I guess. We're going to get there in just one moment. First, today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. You can take your first swing at betting MLB on FanDuel and get 10 times your first bet amount in bonus bets, up to $200. That's right, just bet 20 bucks and you'll land $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. That's 200 that you can spend betting on everything from the money line to over-under to who you think is going for going to hit the first home run. All on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Plus, when you win, you can get paid instantly. There's no better place to bet on MLB than FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. So sign up today and visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get up to $200 in bonus bets. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel, official partner of Major League Baseball. And final segment here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. So, Ben, we have discussed the Rockets' most recent win against the uh, Golden State Warriors, who we already established, bad team. Let's let's backtrack a little bit, though, because even though we didn't get to see them play, you know, get a ton of extensive run in Summer League, which, side note, Jabari was so, like, he was frustrated, but, like, jokingly frustrated. Like, obviously, he understands. I was, I was chatting with him at halftime uh, of the Rockets and, uh, why am I blanking, third game, not Pistons. Um who are they playing the third game? Yeah, I know, right? It just, like, it hit me, and then I lost it. The Thunder. Thunder. There we go. Thunder. I was like, I, I wanted to say Pistons, and I was like, that's the wrong team. Uh, I was chatting with Jabari halftime of Rockets Thunder, and I was giving him a little bit of hell. I was like, come on, man. You said you were going for Summer League MVP, scoring champ, title. And he was like, I know, man. They shut me down. I wanted to be out there. And so he wanted to get more games under his belt. The Rockets shut him down, unfortunately. Uh, it's understandable. You don't want one of your, you know, franchise cornerstone rookies to get hurt in Summer well, League. Especially after Robin Thompson got hurt already. You can yeah. understand if the organization's a bit more skittish after seeing somebody turn an ankle in the last minute of a game. Yeah, you may not want to do that with somebody else. For sure, exactly. And I, and I think Jabari kind of set out to do exactly what he wanted to do, which was go out there, have a couple really big-time games, look better than every other player on the floor while he was out there, which was, I think, one of the most impressive things. He responded in a big way after the really rough first half of Game 1, yeah. came back, hit the buzzer beater, went the winner. Get, hit me with some takeaways from what you, what, you, what you saw out of Jabari for those first two games. Yeah, I, I just saw a much more confident player and of course he's going up against summer league guys but even compared to you know apples to apples summer league a year ago i thought he looked very tentative a little uncertain of himself i thought more than anything this year he knew he belonged and of course you would hope in summer league the guy drafted number three but just it's good after as shaky as his rookie year looked at times just to see him look like the number three overall draft pick a guy that is better from a talent perspective than the majority of guys out there now has a year of experience under his belt as as well beyond that i thought he just looked a lot more comfortable in his body i think a it's year ago, it's the yoga man the yoga's yeah. helping him he's more flexible but i think also too it takes a while to not just put on bulk which he has it's always a delicate balance here you want to get stronger you want to put on bulk but you don't want to do so much that you know you lose the speed the athleticism so it's sort of a delicate balance to begin with. But there's also learning to play with your new body. And so I think, you know, him having a year under his belt, he looked a lot more confident on his drives, he looked a lot more fluid. I mean, the yoga may have helped a little bit since last season, but I also think part of it's just the more time he has in the gym with this frame that he has now, the more confident that he is that 
you know, and that was really the difference is that he was making plays off the dribble and, you know, the Detroit game, look, those are NBA caliber bigs. Detroit had a loaded summer league roster and he was finishing around them at ease. You know, the back and forth he had with Wiseman throughout the game. Yeah. Um, I think that to me is really reassuring because the shooting, look, the shooting was better. I mean, it wasn't great, but look, I, I do not think that Jabari Smith Jr. has forgotten how to shoot. I think that's going to be fine. I think that's an issue of sample size. As long as he's in the right middle space, he's going to eventually shoot. The bigger questions to me were always, I guess, number one, the defense. You know, what position is he optimized at defensively? How can you get the best out of his body, his skill set, yada, yada. But also, in terms of his offensive game, can he do more than simply space the floor? How do you get the best out of a guy who's nearly seven feet tall? And ideally, you can use him the same way teams use Kevin Durant. Even if he doesn't have the shiftiest handle, then and he's not the best side to side, just let him rise and fire over guys. He's got a fairly quick release, it's hard to block. So where can he take advantage? And can he attack a closeout when somebody you know, gets over aggressive on him and either A, get to the rim, or B, draw fouls, which he did at a high rate. And so I think some of it's just getting used to the new frame, the new body, and the more experience he gets, the more reps he gets, playing at this size, this weight, the more comfortable he should get. Because, you know, everybody focuses on the shooting. I'm honestly not that worried about it. The shooting is going to come along. It's more about the rest of his game. And so to see him having that much success on drives, see him getting to the foul line that much, I know you can say summer league, but again, you know, Portland and Detroit, those had NBA, those teams had NBA players in their front courts. And so to see him succeed in that setting was really, really rewarding. And I also want to give Jabari a little bit of credit here because he, not only did he hit the, the big time game winning three against the Blazers, he also made a game saving block late in that game that I that I didn't get a chance to highlight the night of, oh, yeah. um, that I kind of like overlooked being caught up in, in just the excitement of the, the buzzer beater three. But after going back, rewatching some of the, the tape and just kind of seeing those games for a second time with a fresh perspective. Um, it really was just impressive how versatile, again, he looks at times defensively when he's playing the five. And I will say that one potential silver lining out of not getting Brooke Lopez, that does allow you to experiment a bit more with Jabari at the five and some switchable lineups where you're one through five. Everybody can feel comfortable that whoever they switch with is going to hold up their end of the bargain. And if you had Brooke Lopez, Alper, and Shingun, look, they were going to play all 48 minutes. Now, I know you have Shingun as your starter now, and, you know, we say on paper either Jack Landale or Jeff Green is your backup. But there may be some nights where you say, you know what, if Jabari has it going, let's slide Jabari to the five, still get Tari his minutes by sliding him into what would have been some of Jabari's minutes at the four. And especially if you're going up against a team that isn't that bulky in terms of who they have in the middle. Again, I'm not going to say that it makes not getting Brook Lopez fine. He was a priority for a reason, but that is one silver lining. Now, if there isn't Brook Lopez, you, you might be able to experiment a bit more with Jabari at the five and some of these switch everything schemes. No, absolutely. And, and shout out to if you're an everydayer and you listen to our most recent pod with uh, myself and uh, Ali Kambajani, then you know that there was somebody at Rockets practice that I was talking to that was very excited about the possibility, thinking that, that Ime Odoka plans to deploy Jabari Smith Jr. at the five quite a bit this upcoming season. So that's definitely something to watch out for and to expect going into this next year. And that also kind of dovetails into some of that excitement stems from the different versatile defensive lineups that you have because you now have a guy in Amin Thompson who gives you so much from the defensive side of the basketball. Yeah. I honestly can't decide at this point. I think I still lean the passing at this point with like just a slight razor's edge over the defense, but he has yeah. legitimate well, two-way star potential. Well, and the bottom line is when you have a point guard that's six foot seven with that level of explosion, then that gives you more flexibility elsewhere because even if you're a little lighter, even if maybe you're a couple of inches shorter if it's a Jeff Green type, 
then you can potentially do that when the trade-off It's is always tough when you're a couple inches short, guys. I won't trade into that, man. But no, I mean, when you have a point guard that is that powerful, that's that big, then it gives you more flexibility with the rest of those positions. Simply because it's not like you have your six, your traditional six foot one, six foot two point guard who's almost certainly got to guard the smallest guy on the other team. Yeah. Well, since you feel comfortable switching your point guard when you have a freak like Amin Thompson onto almost anybody, then you know it gives you more optionality at your other positions as well. Absolutely, no, and it just not even just that, but it is also just over, his overall IQ, right? His approach to the game. It really felt like he, I won't say, I won't go so far as to say he was a veteran out there on the floor, but he didn't feel like a rookie either. He felt like a guy, and that was, I guess, one of the biggest concerns and worries coming out of OTE was, okay, how is he going to handle himself against grown men, actual competition, non-high schoolers? Like, we we heard the same, you know, the same story over and over and over. I was concerned about it myself. He absolutely, again, it's one game. You can say it was Summer League. He held his own in that game against the Blazers, and arguably, I think he had a better game than Scoot Henderson did, honestly, when they were going head-to-head. Especially because a lot of what happened for Scoot was early in the game, I would call it shot one. Now, give him credit, but some of it, you know, he was forced into some tough shots and, you know, tip your hat, he made some of them. But in terms of, like, possession by possession, I don't think Amin Thompson looked out of his realm at all. I thought he held his own and then some. Yeah. I thought in the second half, honestly, he was a little bit better. Yeah, I, I, and again, when you factor in both sides of the basketball, the defense, the playmaking, all of that, uh, Amin Thompson looked pretty fantastic. And you may be able to see Scoot Henderson in the background on the shot. Oh, man, well, I hope not. I'm, not. I'm trying not to get copyright. I don't want to get copyright striked by the NBA, Ben. Hush. Oh. We we have no footage going on back here. Do not pay attention to these TVs. NASCAR, please do not hit me with uh, a fine or a, a copyright uh, issue. Look, uh, first off, Ben, do we know who the other teams are that are advancing to the Summer League playoffs yet? It's, it's Cleveland is yeah. one of them, right? Yeah, Cleveland's one of them, and most likely Utah. So there's three teams that are undefeated, and so Cleveland's going to be the one seed because there's two teams that are 4-0. Cleveland and Houston, and Cleveland has a better margin. So okay. They'll be the one. So Houston will be either the two or the three. Uh, they'll be the two unless Utah's three. You no, know, they have one more game against Phoenix tomorrow. Uh, if Utah wins, then they'll be then they'll be four uh, zero as well. But honestly, it doesn't matter at that point because it'd be Houston, Utah either way. It just depends on what color jersey you, you want to wear. That so makes I think sense. If, if the Jazz beat the Suns, the Jazz are likely going to be the opponent on Sunday afternoon. Uh, some of it obviously comes down. I got their latest box score in front of me right now. Um, you know, Keontae George only played like 10 minutes their last game. So you're getting to the point of summer league where, it, you know, it remains to be seen how much, especially guys that have very highly drafted rookies, how aggressively do those coaches want to push them? On the flip side, though, if you actually win a championship and you're only two games away, they do give out rings these days, Jackson. I, Man. I, crazy. I know they get ratioed on Twitter, but they do. <laughs> Summer League ring. And that's a testament to how much Summer League has grown and how important it is and how they cool it rings. is for the players. Like, I don't know. I think I think for, for these young guys, just getting their first taste of NBA action and being in that environment in Vegas, it really is so unique by and the, so much fun. Yeah, and by the way, the fourth team at currently stands is the Brooklyn Nets, which Ooh. I'm honestly not that afraid of. I watched, they were the game in front of the Rockets. Yeah. I did not think they looked especially impressive. No, I mean, the Jazz roster, it's, you know, you have some recent first-round picks. Uh, Keontae, Asbaji, uh, the, the guy from the Spurs, uh, they got caught a couple of years ago. It's a decent roster. It's certainly not overwhelming. And I think for the Rockets, you know, Cam Whitmore is obviously the leading storyline just because I think of all the guys playing, he has the highest long-term upside. But what's really helped the Rockets the last couple of games, they seem to be getting better. Guys like Trevor Hudgens, Darius Days, that have been professionals for multiple years, 
those are the guys that have a disproportionate advantage in Summer League because there is some continuity, there is some confidence, and a lot of teams are relying more on young guys. There's also, just, just on your point about continuity, there's so many Vipers on this Summer League roster that they basically have all played together before, so they have yeah. more chemistry and continuity than any other Summer League pro so, roster so probably has. So, so yeah, so they've got a chance, especially when you get this deep in the Summer League, and again, like some of the top guys, you know, teams are watching their minutes more carefully, even if they do play. Again, like Keontae playing like 10 minutes in the last Utah game. Um, and, and any injury teams are going to be super, you know, preventative about. If guys bang knees, they'll say, you know what, it's not worth it. So when you have guys that have played together, the Vipers experience, and you have guys that are in their second year in the NBA, guys like Hudgens and Darius Days, then, yeah, I mean, there's a real chance that the Rockets can actually win this thing. I do really hope that the Jazz do not pull the plug on Keontae George and that they let him go all out and yeah, that, they, that they, yeah, let, let, yeah exactly yeah. right. I, I would sure love yeah. to see Keontae George versus Cam Whitmore in what is, you know, ultimately the, uh, yeah. I guess, the championship and, game. Yeah, and hopefully the Rockets, you know, this is the one scenario where everybody gets five games, but one silver lining, if the Rockets get to the championship game, they actually get six games because of the format. So you get an extra game. And look, uh, you know, I mentioned like to sort of tie everything together with these other guys on your roster. Look, when you tr when you trade it away and, you know, we don't need to relitigate past history again, but, you know, the Usman Garuba, Ty Ty Washington, Dacia Nix, Josh Christopher tier, there are some vacancies that guys can step into. When we're talking about, you know, obviously Trevor Hudgens as a dependable point guard who can shoot a little bit. We can talk about Darius Days as a, as a front court depth piece. We can talk about Nate Hinton. Jermaine Samuels, another one. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Matthew Mayer, the new mayor of H-Town. Sorry, I, I, can't, I can't even say that one with a straight face. Yeah, I'm sorry, Gerald. But, but look, there, one silver lining is that unlike the last few years where the Rockets, they've had so many young guys that honestly there hasn't been a lot to watch for in terms of battles, or at least in terms of roster battles. Now, there's been something to watch for in terms of rotation battles. And we can argue about, you know, should they play Dacia Dix or Ty Ty Washington? But in terms of who's going to be on the roster, we sort of knew because they, they had so many guys. There is at least a window now going into training camp. And again, maybe it shifts, you know, after the preseason once you have, you know, waiver guys. But because of 20-man offseason rosters, that's not going to be for a while. As it stands, the Rockets are pretty much, you know, the way they are now. Maybe you have one or two more minimums along the way. The bottom line is, I mean, they're not anywhere near the 20-man offseason roster. A lot of these guys have a chance to get training camp invites. And if you can play an extra game and get more data and see if some of these performances hold, uh, that may give the Rockets even more confidence going into training camp that yeah, maybe we don't want to get a veteran. Maybe we like this young guy and we want to see what he can do. And he may have more upside. How will the Rockets fare in the NBA Summer League of playoffs? Drop your predictions in the YouTube comments. But, Ben, you know the drill. Let everyone know where they can track you down at. Yep. Uh, ben DuBose on Twitter, the Logger Line on Twitter, the Rockets Wire on Twitter, and RocketsWire.usatoday.com for all of your daily Houston Rockets news coverage. That's going to do it for another edition of Locked on Rockets. As always, thank you so much for checking out the show. If you haven't done so yet, please consider subscribing wherever you listen to your podcasts or on YouTube. Go to YouTube, search Locked on Rockets. Be sure to like, comment, and subscribe. But as always, thank you so much for watching. Thank you so much for listening. And we look forward to having you back right here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. Happy 713 Day, guys.